Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. Um, this is an anime podcast on the X4 Audio Network. I am your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined by uh, honorary third co-host and special guest star, Autumn. Actually, I'm Connor now. <laughs> okay, I'm joined by regular co-host Connor. Uh, beer and heterosexuality. Um, the the heavy weight of trying to discuss queer topics as a straight <laughs> cis man. Um, sounding awkward when Nia says something like over the line and a little flirtatious. <laughs> Um, this is I my have, Connor impression. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about with that last one. Um, so, yeah, people might be like, why is there suddenly another Ghost Divers episode on my feed? I thought that next up was going to be the um, Adolescence of Utena episode. But it was going to be a week from now. Um, but what you're listening to here is a bonus episode because you just finished watching the series. Yes. Yes. I, okay. I have been watching Revolutionary Girl Lutina for four years. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very long time. Um, yes. Um, I will, I will try to give, um, a brief rundown of this, which is that um, I was introduced to the show by someone who I then had a very like huge and elaborate falling out with. Um, and, and so I stopped watching it. And then um, I was going to do a podcast about this with a different person. And then um, uh, we got a couple episodes into that and the show can't was canceled. Um I was going to try and watch it with uh, Mark last year and scheduling became just incredibly difficult and we <laughs> fell off. And um, <laughs> so I've been trying for four years to watch Revolutionary Girl Atena, um, and I have finally, finally done it. And it is an immense weight off my shoulders. And as I was getting into the end of the end last as I was getting into the final episodes tonight, I was like, hey, I might try to just, like, call you when I'm done and, like, talk about it. Because I want to, like, try and, like, pick through how I'm feeling. And then by the end, by by the time I got to the end, I was like, I think I actually know how I feel about this. Um, yeah. But we might as well just, like, talk and, like, maybe, like, in talking, you know, um, sort of. I don't know. Untangle my own thoughts. You already did this episode with Connor. Like you have already done this whole podcast with Connor, but I just kind of wanted to talk to you about it, and we figured we might as well hit record. So, yeah. So I was thinking about a format, and, and you tell me what you think. Okay. Obviously, you've already done like the big official, like dissecting everything. You know podcast yeah i was thinking of i'm gonna try and just like briefly explain what i think happens 
in Revolutionary Girl Utena. I'm going to go very, very quickly through the um, student council in Black Rose and then slow down a little bit through Akio Ochiri and Apocalypse because that's like the meat of like what I was having complicated feelings about. Whereas everything before that, I was like, okay, I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, it sounds good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, cool. yeah. Uh, in some ways, like if people are also listening to this being like, you already did just talk about this a bunch. Yeah. Some of this is like, I don't know how much time you're going to have to listen to all of the ghost divers episodes before we record. Um, yes, it's a, it's a lot of hours of podcast. So some of yes. this is also just like, let's make sure some of the stuff is synchronized or, or like yeah. at least on similar pages. Cause I definitely in my head, a little bit of um, the adolescence of Uptina episode was going to just be like, getting me on the same page as you two. And I feel like by doing this today, we can kind of cut that out and just talk about the movie as its own object and not, you know, like me working through my feelings about the show and the movie at the same time. So. Yeah. I did. I did start the, um, Utena season today, um, of Divey and, um, just mostly just got through the truckers bit. Y'all have started to talk about the show, but mostly it's been for all the GL lo- loving truckers out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, our favorite listeners um, are the, the GL loving long haul truckers who put on our podcast is they're they're driving through Wyoming. <laughs> um, okay. So I will try to briefly explain. And I think I might even like take the angle. Cause you've talked before about all these episodes but i might try to like explain all this through the angle of trying to untangle through the whole series not just the ending what is it that uh akio oturi wants and what like how does himemia play into it because that is the sort of like thing that is like the thorniest to me pardon the pun yeah it is a Um, good pun (laughs) <laughs> so first arc student council saga the uh utina is introduced into this world of dueling um and i guess here otary is just kind of like setting up like he he wants utina with himamia the rose bride and he, like, wants to, like, test her against all these duelists. Um, yeah. That is, like, you know, the very quick and dirty version of that. Um, Black Rose Saga. Um, we're kind of given a glimpse into the school's past as we meet um, Mikage. Um, that is the name of the character, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Mikage yes. Soji. Yeah, Mikage. Um and uh who is this person that he's trying to use as Mamiya? Yeah. Yeah, Cheetah okay. Mamiya. So Mikage wants to make um Mamiya into um the new Rose Bride, and Mamiya is like, but I'm a boy, but just kind of goes along with it. 
Yeah. Um, we see Mikage like try to exploit the inner turmoil and suffering of other people to his own ends of creating more powerful duelists that can like defeat Utena so that he can take the power to revolutionize the world. Um, we also see that there is a sort uh, something that you said in this uh, episode of Divey that I thought was good is that like the flow of time is weird in Utena. Yeah. Um, and we see into Mikage's past as a like professor at the um academy. Yeah. Um who is you know seemingly endangering students for like unknown purposes. You know, unknown dark purposes that we can assume relate to wanting to revolutionize the world. Yeah, a lot of the the implication at the end of Black Rose Saga is that basically he gave like the rose signet rings, like the rose signet rings are from Akio, and he gave those to all of the students, and then um, basically like gave one to to Soji and was just like burn down the entire school and kill everyone in here like build build burn down this building and kill everyone in here um and that's Mm -hmm. how the the black rose signets formed was like yeah something from their their death um yes um we also see that mamia is like implicated in the burning but soji takes responsibility for it um and this this is like just me my memory being a little hazy for it the very end of the black rose saga is like there's like mamia turns to camera and then there's a flash of lightning and it's himamia and there's like an implication that they're the same and i don't know if that's because they're both the rose bride or if it's because they're literally the same person <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, well, it's also this thing of, so I think that's also revealed at the very end is during the duel between Utena and Mikage, um, Mm -hmm. he sees the photos that are on the tables and recognizes that that photo is, um, oh, what's the, what's the, the woman's name, um, who is like the sister or whatever of, um, Mamia, but he thinks that like Utena is her, um, it, and we sorry, like give saw me her one second. Radiators kicking on, and it's very yeah. loud. <laughs> sorry, that thing's been a real pain lately. I was having trouble hearing you even. Um, yes, um, Minkage is like blending together um, this girl that he had a thing for and Utena in his head in weird ways. Yeah, uh, Tokiko. Um, yes, I'm. I'm gonna let you do like the full thing, but I I have some reads about what's happening with oh. the Black Rose Saga because so uh, Tokiko yeah, okay. and then okay. Himamia, like the the actual appearance of them in that photo is not um, Utena or like the I usually refer to the that like character as Utena's prince, the one who like descends from the the tower 
um, is also the one who appears on what I call the world egg. I don't know if that's like correct, but like mm-hmm. the, that orb um, and it's like the end of the world, which then gets linked to Akio. Um, so yeah, there's this weird blending in that moment of like, I think what's happening here is that um, Mikage is being manipulated in such a way that like his desire for uh, like to hold on to this like memory that he has is causing him to distort like present reality, which means that he is seeing like Utena and Utena's prince as Tokiko and um, Mamiya. Um, but those were actually like people in the past who, because it also is like revealed that uh, Mamiya died when Tokiko returns. Yes. Um, yes. And so it is like holding on to this like delusion and kind of loses it at, at, in the final duel. Um, but then there's this weird blending of like Utena's Prince is like Anthe, but also Akio kind of in that, like that turn at the end of um, the Prince turns and like transforms into to Anthe um, while Akio is like looming mm-hmm. behind her. Um. Yeah, which now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yes, this mirrors the ending of everything in a way that I hadn't like totally connected in my head until now. Um, you know, to jump ahead a little bit um, in the final episode of um, the whole show, like, you know, Himania sets out and is like, you know. You don't understand, like, Utena is still out there. She's just not part of this, like, limited world of the Academy anymore. And similarly, Tokiko is a character who, like, might be dead, might be alive. Um, When you have left Oteri Academy, like, those two fates are, like, sort of indistinguishable from the people inside of Oteri Academy. And people inside of Oteri Academy seemingly forget that you exist once you're no longer like in their immediate worldview, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, man. Okay. The, the black Rose saga, like capital M like matters. maybe in a way that I hadn't really been like, (laughs) (laughs) I I knew the black Rose saga is often weird to me. in that like, the events of it seem the most like the end almost kind of erases that the events happened. And yet I think the like what it signals in terms of a, a repetition of events is actually very important overall. Um, yes. You know, and in in watching it, I was like, oh, OK, I understand that, like the themes of, you know, the the, the themes of what's happening are getting developed as we see you know, the ways that, like, young people's suffering is, like, exploited to, um, you know, other, like, ulterior motives. Like, I connected that. I didn't connect the sort of, like, quote-unquote plot relevance of it, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, it does end in a way that's like, oh, all that's in the past, and it didn't happen, or it kind of happened but kind of didn't, or, you know, any number of things. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so, 
The Akio Ochari Saga, which Wikipedia and I believe Ghost Divers defines as 24 to 33, ending on 33? Yes. Yeah. Um, this is the, we talk about this briefly on, uh, especially the part for the Apocalypse Saga of, um, so the, the Blu-ray releases, I think, um, are shuffled around a little bit. And so I think like, because there's also sort of those, um, like recap episodes. And so I think they do one through 12 as the student council saga and thus like break off that, um, that recap episode where uh, it's like going through the duels and we get all the, the names of like, you know, schwa or whatever choice. Um, I don't know how to say the French. Um, and uh, they put that as part of the, the black rose saga. And then they also do the, um, the clip show that is at the very start of like the Otori Akio saga. I think they put that with the Black Rose Saga as well, which is that one with, um, like, Tsuabuki. Tsuabuki's Diary. Um, yeah. Um, mm. And then they just group together. Which is, together. like, the last episode that he's in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they, they group together uh, the, like, Otori Akio Saga and the Apocalypse Saga as just the Apocalypse Saga. Um, mm. And I think, honestly, like... Aside from the the clip shows, which are a little weird, and I I like them better the way they are. There's also, I think, some value of thinking about um, there being like three discrete chunks instead of four for yeah um, Ushana because like the end of the Otori Akio saga going into the Apocalypse saga, there's everything else kind of has a reset, and there isn't one there. Yes. Like we actually get yes. like the final Toga duel during the Apocalypse saga, not the the um otori akio saga but that like otherwise like we we have like basically three loops where it starts with mm-hmm. sionji you know we go through the different characters uh kind of ends with um some sort of duel that is around like utena's selfhood it's the the duel that is like most testing utena and her her own self and her own beliefs and then like the loop happens again um, and so the first time yes. that that is uh the duel against toga then um, we get Toga, but then the duel against Mikage, and then we get Toga, but then the duel against um, Akio. Um, and so we, we like um. get that that structure. But um, I also think it's interesting to think about like thirty three as a major turning point in a lot of what's happening. Yes. So <laughs> yes. Um, I thirty thirty three is like one of the most revolu- revelatory episodes of television I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I I ended up breaking it into the four like arcs, uh, mostly because mm. I didn't want to do an episode where we talked about sixteen episodes of this anime. That would just be too fucking much. <laughs> uh, we already talked for a really also, long time about the final six episodes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like doing episode thirty three with the stuff before it rather than the stuff coming after it, like makes sense in that 33 is like such a huge thing that like, I would not want to begin something there and then have to like work my way through the rest of what Utena is. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. To, to circle back then to talk, you know, to lead into the Akio Otori saga, uh, and to kind of like circle back to my premise of like, what does Otari want during each of these arcs? Like, 
we see that the Otari Academy um, has historically been like here to exploit the suffering of young people in order to get this power of revolutionizing the world. Um, this is also where we are introduced to um, Otari in general and um, him like raping his younger sister, you know. Yeah. Um, um, for and this, this because is a she's thing. the rose bride who can't say no to things. You yeah. Know? Um, well, and this is also a thing that we, we talk about and that I talk about with um, episode 33 is that like a lot of the, the Otari Akio saga to me is about Akio grooming Utena and it ending with mm-hmm. um, what, what I would classify as a rape, even as like Utena seems to, to some degree be like, believing that she's doing it willingly but i think given all the context around like the grooming that akio seems to be doing i read that like final interaction at the end of 33 as still like rape even as utena thinks that she is like choosing it um because he's a he's an adult man and she's a middle schooler yes Yes. (laughs) um that was and he he has groomed her for this entire arc so that was something that I had lost sight of in like taking four years to watch the show. In my head, Utena was 17. That doesn't make anything that Oturi does okay. It just means that the fact that she's 14 makes it mm-hmm. even more awful. <laughs> no, you this know? is a thing that I, I talk about in relation to the Nanami's Egg episode, um, which mm-hmm. is that even in watching this, like you fall back into the anime logic of just like, oh yeah, they're just, you know, they're like ambiguously teenagers but like mm-hmm. are are older um and when the nami's egg episode came up i remembered that nanami and utena are supposed to be the same age and that the entire nanami's egg episode is like a extended metaphor kind of horror kind of joke around like menstruation and nanami like getting her period for the first time and being worried about like oh but like Jury saying that she has a bigger one. I just have this little tiny one. Am I not, like not enough of a woman? Um, yeah. Like all this like anxiety around like I guess I can have kids now. Um, like these fears that Toga is going to reject her because she's like dirty now because she lays eggs. Um, all of that is in there, and it's these like intense feelings that girls would have as they're like just starting to go through puberty and getting their first period. And I was just like, woof! I like forgot that they were like this is the stage that these girls are at is like, you know, again, they're not 17, which is still gross for what Akio is doing, but like fully, like they are just now starting to like enter any sort of sexual quote unquote yes. maturity um, yes. in a way where like everything he's do- doing is extremely awful. <laughs> he's a terrible he, man. Like, I, I hate Akio so much. <laughs> like even worse than I had considered. And what I had considered was like, I hope he dies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Um, so in the, in the Akio Oturi saga, the sort of new thing, you know, um, previously we had, um, the student council meetings and then in the Black Rose saga, we had, you know, the big elevator. The new thing here is like, Oturi has like, (laughs) has seduced, um, Toga into doing like awful things for him. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and 
So now instead of an elevator or or what we had before, now we have like, you know, Toga and Oturi are like taking people in clandestine meetings in like this sexy hot rod um, and like, you know, being sexually manipulative. You know, Oturi yeah. is being sexually manipulative to Toga and then they're both sort of exerting that energy toward other people. Um, uh in like a way that like Toga thinks he's in on it, and I don't think he is. I yeah. I don't think like he is as, as in control of the situation as he might think he is. <laughs> yeah, I forget exactly how I I talk about it on the podcast that um I recorded with Connor, but like my take on Toga is kind of like he is um he he's an awful boy who could so easily become an awful man like Akio, but he is still like in this i i can still envision a way that like toga could come around if he got like someone else who was like no what akio is doing to you is terrible like you know don't treat women this way like don't make akio your idol um whereas akio is just like completely just a, a shit bag like i see no mm. hope for redemption in him in a way mm. that like i think toga could get there and and towards the end of uh, especially the yes. apocalypse saga is like starting to move in that direction or at least starting to be like eh, i'm not entirely sure about akio i kind of want to save utena from it <laughs> Um, yeah, this actually seems bad. What's happening? So and so, as the duels in the um, student council saga are sort of spurned by like the desires of the student council, how like you know, perhaps unspoken desires, and now the duels in the Black Rose saga are like the the secret and like most hidden, like hated desires that characters are feeling. Um, the the duels in in this part are like fueled by like sexual awakening like i have suppressed all this desire this desire has been exploited um by oturi in various ways through the previous two arcs and now like oturi is like leading me into sexual awakening and that is going to like give me the power to like you know i think these people these people think that you know, sexual awakening is going to give them the power to, like, stop Utena. Um, Oturi wants Utena as innocent as possible, as long as possible, so that, um, you know, he can take advantage of her. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, throughout this, um, he is sort of the magnanimous, um, like, chairman of the school who's like you know utana and um uh himamia why don't you come live with me you know wouldn't it be so great um and is really doing this to like get them more and more under his influence um and yeah begins like really in earnest like grooming utana into like the perfect and innocent girl who will love him because like he wants to be able to take take advantage of innocent womanhood for his own like ends. Yeah. Um, and it sucks and I hate him. <laughs> um, yeah. Episode 33 is just a lot. We've kind of already yeah. talked about it. Um, so I don't know how much more I'm going to 
say there, but um, yeah. So, okay. Going into the last part. Can you explain to me, like, what the Rose Bride is? I think I know, like, like conceptually, you yeah. know, like, I know who Himemia is. But I I feel like a lot of a lot of like exposition is coming at me fast and also like only through implication to where like I want to make sure that I understand like what the relationship of like the Rose Bride and the Prince is, I guess. Yeah, that that is like a little unclear to me, I feel. Um, I got one thing I'll, I'll say, and this is a thing that we talk about a lot throughout the episodes, is um, I, I guess I'll, I'll put it in, in this terms, which is not what I said on the episode. So this is maybe a little bit new for, for listeners who have listened through everything. Um, I think Utena operates in a similar space to like stuff that we talk about really enjoying with David Lynch. Um, yes. Like, if people yes. listen to our Mulholland Drive episode. Um, yes. Where... There's sometimes a dreamlike logic to things or um, things veer into unreality. And to me, I think the the tension between like the reality and the unreality of the situation is more like fruitful and meaningful than um, collapsing that down, I guess. Um, and I say this mm-hmm. as like, in the the apocalypse saga i talk about how like the most potent and um meaningful like read for me as a person who you know was in an abusive relationship was raped and everything um is like this is a story about uh utena and anthe and utena trying to like as they are both like in a terrible situation Utena trying to still reach out to Anthe and like show her that she can leave Akio, that she can leave like the person mm-hmm. who's abusing her and raping her. Um, and mm-hmm. trying to like help give her like that out. And that's, that's what the end of the series is, is like finally Anthe is like, you know, there's all the stuff of like, Oh, even Utena couldn't get the power to like revolutionize the world. And really what she got was the power to like, revolutionize the the world for anthe specifically allowing anthe to like see that the world can Mm -hmm. be different and that she can say she can go to akio and say you don't understand you think that nothing's changed but in fact i'm the one who's changed and like i'm leaving i'm i'm walking out of this door um Mm -hmm. i'm as we joke in the episode uh going to paris in my my paris outfit um but you know (laughs) and, and going to find um utena which which to me we still haven't got to the movie, so we, we can talk about if we have different, um, like, ideas of, you know, Connor was like, I, I just want to know, does the movie, like, just pick up where this left off and it's just a continuation of the story? Um, and I was like, 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 the biggest thing for people still going into this that I feel like, and I forget exactly how I said this to, to Connor, but, like, you know, sometimes this gets compared to End of Evangelion, and I, I think there are kind of... It is unclear, is this actually continuing the story in some way, um, or is this an alternate version, which I, I think makes sense if, 
you think about the structure of the show as like there are kind of three loops. And so yeah. if you're retelling it it from a different like perspective, again, is that actually just a retelling or is this like another a fourth loop in the like narrative? Right. Or like you could even take the the approach of like, no, actually the three different loops that we see in Utena are actually like three different tellings of the exact same events. Um, it is not even like a continuation of plot, um, which I think right. there's like some that you could, you could argue around there as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of where it's at. But, um, but yeah, so for, for me, like one of the most meaningful parts is this like almost allegorical reading of the Rose Bride is, um, all of the systems of like repression and oppression and, you know, like the patriarchal systems, um, the, the way that like sexuality is dealt with that results in the conditions where Anthe feels trapped in the, this, um, abusive situation she's in, um, and can't break out of that. And Anthe kind of says like, all women are rose brides towards the end. Um, and I think that's, that's further gesturing towards like, no, like all women are, are, um, like oppressed by patriarchal systems and like maybe not everyone has it as bad as Anthe does, but there's still like these systems at work that need to be broken. Um, but even as I'm doing yes. this like very allegorical reading of like, I am crying at the end because it is two abused girls reaching out to each other to like try and help each other um, mm-hmm. in their abuse. And that's something that's like very emotionally important for me. And that's why I'm weeping. Um, I also don't want to be like, and so this entire story is allegorical because because I also think it's talking about patriarchy. It's also talking about like Connor is bringing in a lot of stuff from this theorist Eliad, um, and his work on the myth of the eternal return, which is a little bit different than like the the um, most base version that like I th- I think Mark may have talked about on. Um, an arcanum or something. Uh, but it's like the specific thing that's talking about, like the role of religion in society, um, the way that like people want to return to a mythic past and ever, all of the characters in this are like seeking some sort of mythic past that they want yeah. to access. That's the whole thing about like, like in some ways the power to revolutionize the world is an ability to like achieve some sort of mythic past and to like connect with that and, and get something and, and, from it. And to um, like, so a- to achieve like a mythic childhood, you know, that mm-hmm. like the entering adolescence is painful and, and um, like revealing like what reality is, which is like what Otri, like Otri is like, I'm going to reveal to you what reality is, um, is painful and like breaks something in you that cannot be like unbroken. And so all of these characters are. I want the power are, are seeking the power to revolutionize the world because in some way they want to return to the, that innocence of childhood. Um, yeah. The innocence that he like wants to preserve and then take from Utana. So, yeah. Um, and then I think that's also like the fact that there's this weird tension between different readings, I think is important. And then also ties into like, some of the imagery around what being the Rose Bride means at the end, which is that like she gets the, the 1 million swords or however many they say, um, the, the myriad swords, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, 
Which, I think which, in the again, translation like, you I can, had, you can... he just said all the swords. <laughs> all the swords. That's that's a funny translation. Um, it does feel very much like... Uh, I, I know that, like, Chinese does this. I don't know how much Japanese does this, but, like, this is very common in a lot of, like, Taoist things, which is there's, like, a specific number... Like, there is a word that is used for a specific number that is, like, 100,000 or 1 million or whatever. Um but that in a lot of old writing is just used to mean like countless. I don't know how much this is. It's a million. <laughs> yeah. Um, which we kind of do in English, but it's like more codified there. Um, yeah. Like this is the whole thing with um, the Buddha growing like 1000 arms. Um, that is like a 1000 is just like, it's a big number. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's not literally 1000 arms. Um but anyway, um, so yeah, there, there's stuff that you can read there around like, oh, like patriarchal systems, like women have to like bear the the um, pains of that, which then like protect men and allow men to like go on and achieve things. But then you can also tie it into stuff that you're getting from like the the flashbacks in various um, like every time that you see the past, it's like weirdly mythologized in some way. But, like, we get all of those different versions um, in the Apocalypse Saga of, like, the shadow play with the prince, uh, who's presumably Akio, who, like, saved all the girls. Right. But then the Wicked Witch, like, stole him away. Um, and then we get, like, a slightly different version of it that seems to be from Akio's perspective of, like, the prince had to, like, keep saving everyone and... Um, like Anthe tried to protect him from that because otherwise he was just going to like die from like always being called upon to like save the daughters of the world. Um, but because she did that was like painted as a witch and stabbed um, with all of the, okay, the okay. swords. Um, and so like all of this is like tying into the, those metaphors, but then like you can take that big metaphorical, this is about patriarchy and then condense it down to like, Oh, this is about like this weird breaking of um, like brother and sister and everything that's happening that also gets like mirrored with Toga um, as the mini Akio and the Nami. Um, Well, and also Miki and Kozue, um, you know, as in the, in the very earliest episodes, like, you know, Miki is like looking to Toga as a model for like the masculinity that like he wants for himself, but like is bad at like, pursuing and like because that is born out of like a desire for his sister kozue that then gets mirrored into you know toga nanami not even being like brother and sister gets mirrored into um you know Oturi and himania um yeah um i i want i want the best for nanami yeah (laughs) i felt so bad for her um She's honestly one of my favorite characters in the show, and that's not just because she has the most Cromarty High School bits associated with her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you've watched much Cromarty High School, Autumn, but there's, like, literally a, a um, joke in there that I think is literally just an homage to the one where she turns into, or she's turning into a cow, and she has the dream uh, that she's being sold off by Toga and then uh, awakens to him cooking a steak. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then is like all stressed out about that. Um, and so it's very similar. There's a character who's having um, 
like nightmares that he's turning into an animal, except it's a seal, but still has a moment where he awakes to like a steak being cooked and doesn't want to eat meat. So, um, it's great though. Uh, like I am positive that Cromartie high school is intentionally referencing Utena and a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but you, so like the, the thing that I texted you that I thought was kind of interesting. Cause I, I watched, um, episode 33 last night. I watched 34, 35, 36, 37 before work today. Um, and I was at this really interesting place going into the last two episodes um, with it, where, like, 33 was, like, truly something else, I thought. Just truly, like, an incredible episode. Um, and, yeah, in the thing that the thing that blows me away about episode 33, um, it, and I, th- I think this is, like, very, like, lynchy, and I think this is, like, you know, I would be surprised. I would be genuinely shocked if, like, Ikuni said that Lynch wasn't his inspiration for this exact thing that he's doing. That, like, episode 33 uses a lot of, um, like, here are here's a lot of images and dialogue that you've seen before. Now let's put them together in different sequences and different juxtapositions and, like, see what that changes. You know? Like, the same, like, yeah. set of symbols... Like, it has a different meaning by being arranged differently. That feels very Lynchian to me. That feels like a lot of, like, directors of movies over the last few decades. I just know that, like, Twin Peaks was a huge hit in Japan at this exact time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, um, anyway, uh, so that's 33 for me, like, just really floors me. And then... I was at this place where I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen next. And I watched 38 and 39, and I was like, that's how I would have guessed the show was going to end if I watched only the the student council arc. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is that um, someone tries to take advantage of Himemia, and um, Utena reaches out to her um, and saves her, and, you know the world has changed in ways that are like good and ways that are bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the, Oh, what am I reaching for here? Like, you know, Utena is like so heavily leaning on like fairy tale for so much of it. And it was just really shocking to me that like, I hit this point where I was like, I don't know where this is going. But because it is a fairy tale, it's going the place you kind of always thought it was going to go, you know? Yeah. Um, which I just I just thought was... In the moment-to-moment watching it, I was like, oh, I wanted it to do something, like, wild and twisty in the way... You know, in the way that, like, Evangelion ends in a way that you're never going to see coming, you know? Um, yeah. This ends in the way that I saw coming, and in the moment of watching it... I was like less wowed, but in talking about it, I'm like, no, this is perfect. This is what the show needed, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I find somewhat interesting about it is um, I, I think there is the bigger complication of, um, I don't know if it, I guess like maybe I could have seen Anthony's betrayal happening earlier, uh, but still it, 
Yes. Yeah. Like if someone if you're just watching the like um the student council saga and it was like yeah, uh, after the duel with Toga, um there's like one final duel where like someone's really going to do something bad to Anthe. Um and then Anthe betrays Utena. You'd be like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Um whereas An- An- <laughs> yeah. Anthe's betrayal and like Utena's like um like uh, it is unexplained whereabouts dubious whereabouts are the two things that i did not see coming at all even a little bit you know mm-hmm. um, um yeah and i i think in retrospect like it's still sometimes a little bit surprising when that betrayal happens in um at the end of, of 38 i think is when it happens um but then in retrospect like when I think about the the last two sagas, you know, like the Tori Akio mm-hmm. and the Apocalypse Saga, um, that's where like we get more of the interiority from Anthe, and then it it kind of makes sense because I almost see what's happening in that betrayal as like, um, really Anthe I think does love Utena, and like it is uh hoping that she'll be the one who will free her. Um, and I think the line of like, I, I think it might be at the beginning of 39 where Utena is like, Anthe, why basically? Um, and she says like, you'll never be mm-hmm. my prince because you're a girl. Um, I don't think that's necessarily like this pure, it, it's getting kind of weird, but I don't think it is actually like this pure gender essentialism in the way that like, when I talk about Evangelion stuff, I think there is like extreme gender essentialism in the way that it is like mm-hmm. framing that that ending um especially end of evangelion this is where it's like most intense and i i hate it the most (laughs) um Uh but i think what's actually happening is what we see as part of the grooming of utena by akio is also a feminization of utena like she she's progressively wearing more feminine clothing um you know there's the gift of the earrings which she starts wearing but also like pondering um and so I think what's actually being figured more is that um, Anthe kind of, it, it, it's harder for her to see through what Akio is doing. And so sees like, oh, you're just like everyone else. Like, you're also just going to sleep with Akio, this, this like guy who, you know, my brother who's like abusing me, but I have like these weird complex feelings around because it's my brother. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, so I think that like because you're a girl is more like this is what like, this has been Akio's plan is to like to feminize Utena in this way that like pulls her away from um being this like person who Anthe actually loves and cares about. Um in the same way that we get at the very uh beginning with the the student council um saga arc um when Utena loses that first duel against Toga and then has to duel Toga again. Um, Wakaba being like, you know, Utena being like, well, I'm just being a normal girl. This is what I'm supposed to do. And Wakaba being like, this isn't normal for you though. <laughs> like, this isn't your normal. Right. This isn't, this isn't the like Utena I love and care about. Um, right. So, right. Right. Um, I think it, I think it's more something like, I think Anthe is having a similar reaction that Wakaba had, but also it's become far more. Uh, like the series does a very good job, I think, of escalating out of student council saga. Really does just feel like, oh, this is like 
kind of shoujo anime stuff. Like some of this is getting a little like veering into, uh, but also I talk about like Clamp does this too. Like Hardcaptor Sakura does like weird age gap and um, like incest and stuff things. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's kind of doing it, but in this way that you just more buy as like, oh, sometimes anime just does this. Like it's a little weird, but like whatever. Like, you know, this is just a, a normal like shoujo story. And then it just kind of continues to escalate it. Um, and it's not that shoujo stuff doesn't like deal with this as well, but it just moves it gradually from that place to like, oh no, like there's a, a depiction of like rape happening in 33. Um, and in, I forget which episode we see with, with Anthony and stuff. You're like, oh, they like truly escalate this um, into like territory yeah. that you weren't really expecting from the student council slack. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, to, to, and I, 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 I want to like talk about Utena more. So this is going to be a very brief aside. This is like the thing that I love and um, also drives me nuts about, this is the thing that I love about Monica Magica and the thing that drives me nuts about people who like Monica Magica, which is that like <laughs> these shows have always been this. It's just yeah. that Monica is 12 episodes instead of 39, because if Monica was 39 episodes, you best believe it would start as slow as this show does so that the places that yeah. Monica goes would be like, you know, made more impactful. It is just a compressed version of a thing that already existed. I like that about it. But yeah. like I'm not pretending that it's like different from Utana fundamentally. Yeah. Um and that's know? the other like I mean we talked about this some with Ray Earth too, which is that like I also don't think Utena is doing the stuff entirely new. Right? No. Like this is all stuff it, that's it, been in Shoujo. It's just doing it very masterfully, um, in a way that yeah. like really hits. And that also, I think, got more recognition from um, a wider audience because there was these connections with uh, Evangelion in particular around it, um, especially yes. like me watching some of this back in the day uh, it was talked about as like, oh, you liked Evangelion. You should watch this. Yeah, I know it's a shoujo thing, but like, it's good. Um, you, you know, well, well. <laughs> Uta, uh, not Utena. Um, Sailor Moon does all this too, and like you can draw like the literal line yeah. from Ikuni working on that show. But like Sailor yeah. Moon comes from a tradition of shoujo. Sailor Moon does all of this too. Um, yeah. Maybe not like you know with the same sort of graphicness that Utena does, but it, it this is yeah. there in Sailor Moon. Yeah, it's just also um, like a I forget how long Sailor Moon is, but like it's a hundred episodes or whatever. You know, uh, I think that's well, also a factor the, in this. I think that's a factor, and I think the other thing is that, like, uh, by Utena's sort of proximity to Evangelion and proximity to, you know, it has often been described as Lynchian, you know, this sort of, like, validation from, like, oh, it's not like that other shoujo, like, gets a sort of male approval um, that Madoka also gets. Like, I think... Because men like this show, it gets more respect for doing the same things really well that lots of, like, shows that women like do, you know? Yeah. So. Um, anyway, to, to talk about, you know, the show in front of us. <laughs> um, I guess for me, the thing about, um, you know, through the first two arcs, we never see um, 
through the first like two and a half arcs like it's even like into the oturi saga that we start we don't even start to see this until late in the oturi stuff um like himemia does not express like desires you know she describes herself at the end as like a heartless doll like she does not yeah. have feelings she does not have desires um i do think so some of this is stuff that like one we were doing a, a deep reading and then also i've just seen this multiple times so i was noticing stuff um but like connor pulled some of this stuff out too there are small moments even in the student council saga that start hinting at um anthe's interiority uh like one of the big mm-hmm. ones is um there's like the duel with Miki, I think, and uh, Anthe shouts like, you know, you can do it, Utena, or something. Yeah. Um. But like at the exact moment, they would make Miki falter, and she she does this with like multiple duels, um, where there are these moments where she will say something that will will um, that seems to actually have like a deciding role in the duel, um. But it's a lot of stuff is like very subtle, you know, Um, it's not like a we're not getting like deep interiority, but we are sometimes getting these these moments where it feels like Anthe wants Utena to win. But also there's a certain amount where you're like, but also she's a rose bride. So like she's supposed to be tied to Utena, but also she wasn't (laughs) like she kind of did it to like make Sionji falter during the duel Sionji. Mm hmm. Um, so like, does she have this intentionality? So yeah, we often throughout the, the episodes, like interrogate, like these moments where we're getting little reads of what is Anthony doing, but it's still like, we're going into the, um, you know, especially the Otori Akio saga and Connor being like, I still don't really know what's going on with Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what her real intentions are. Um, yeah. And so you start to see like her intentions, like poke through more and more as she's like clearly expressing like trying to get between Utena and Oteri trying to like you know keep her away from him feeling you know in episode 33 like feeling upset and like hurt and like wanting to hurt Oteri because um you know he's you know um with Utena now, you know, yeah. non-consensually or, you know, whatever. Um, um, well, yeah. And like I, you- I, I think a thing that's interesting too, is like, even up until that point, there's still an ambiguity of, is she just jealous that Utena has like Akio's attention? Um, mm-hmm. And it's really like the final scene where, um, I don't know if you watched the like next time on area, like section at the end of the final episode. Uh, but we get this reveal of there's a moment earlier on where um, it's like Utena, Anthe and Akio, and they're taking a, a picture. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and he's uh, not in the picture or well, like he yeah. just barely is. <laughs> uh, he's like, I think he's like in the middle and like putting his arm around. Um, yep. Utena yep. and like Anthe's on the other side. And then, Choo Choo gets in the frame and so they have to reset up and then the next time and the camera is like blocked so you can't see it like the the space entirely between um Utena and Anthe but like she has like put herself in between Utena and Akio 
But then in the final reveal yes. at the very end of the last episode, we see that like in that photo, which they've now cropped. So it's just the two of them. And you kind of just see Akio a little bit to the end that they were holding hands. Um, yeah. Which is like a recurring image as well. So, um, yes. But yeah, like um, it's not even until really that final episode where you're like, oh, no, it seems like she's like trying to protect Utena and not jealous of her. <laughs> yes. And so uh, for me, I read the the betrayal as um, like. Anthe, you know, is the Rose Bride. And um, in that moment, she's like. I might feel whatever I feel about Utena, but I am the Rose Bride and this is what I am supposed to do, yeah. you know, um, and does not see yet that she can escape from this um, in the way that like Utena ends up showing her, you know, in the end. Yeah. Um, she still doesn't see a way out for herself. Um, and yeah, I think it's so, I guess if I was going to guess the ending, it, it was that, um, Utena was going to beat Oturi in a duel um, and that would they would like triumphantly like walk away from the from him walk away from this whole school you know um, and like you know sort of I was guessing like oh they'll sort of ambiguously be like walking out holding hands or something um, which I guess is true <laughs> um <laughs> But the, the, the it's also it's true, but it it it's specifically just um, Anthea leaving to look for Utena, and then we almost get the photo of Anthea and Utena holding hands as this like new mythic image that like perhaps Anthea is going to hold on to. Um, like I read the ending of like, okay, is Anthea actually going to go find Utena and reconnect, or is she going to find? the person who is like Utena, like, is she going to find the next person, the person that she can help in the mm-hmm. way that Utena helped her? Um, yeah. In the way that sometimes the queer person who like initiates you into queerness is not the person who you continue to be with. <laughs> yes. Um, and like, like I, I think it is so, so much more powerful that the way that she ends that, that, Anthe is finally able to leave the school is not through her, her prince triumphantly like winning a duel and winning her hand and stuff, but she just walks up to him and says, I'm leaving and she leaves and that's it. Yeah. I, that part I did not see coming. And that part I think is like, you know, really just like, as I'm talking, getting me like a little teared up. <laughs> yeah. That she, the, the power, like, and, you know, um, in, 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 so in episode 38, I think, Oturi is like, look, the, the whole castle was an illusion the whole time. Um, there wasn't ever any magic or princes. Um, this was always just an illusion that I dreamed up. I don't know. I, I, I interpret that as like some, somewhere between like, literal to the show and like a, just another layer of metaphor because like clearly what it is saying is that like Oturi like controls the power of reality of these people which was true because he's like an adult and a chairman and like sexually manipulating all these people you know <laughs> um, yeah and so like it's dubious whether like magic is real in the world of Utena but um 
that doesn't matter to me because I just really like the um, all the magic, all the like, you know, all the stuff that what you know, all the supernatural stuff, whether it was real or not, led to a real thing. And I I kind of think it's real, despite what he says about oh, I you know this was yeah. all an illusion the whole time. I kind of think that that I think he's full of shit. <laughs> Yeah, I also um, think it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, uh, again, very similar to our discussion with, like, Mulholland Drive, where I'm like, I don't, like, it's more interesting to me to be like, okay, what if this is true? What if that's true? What if, like, both of them are true? What if neither of them is true? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, in a similar way, Utena is also something that it is... Um, extremely invested in reminding you of its artifice um it it uses its animation in ways that reminds you of the way that it's it's animated um one of the like biggest episodes that stands out for me is uh towards i forget if this is the last episode or like the second to last but like towards the end of the the black rose saga where there's just this like moment where it's like there are just like hands pointing at symbols on the screen and like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like, notice the cat. Now there's two cats. Now there's four cats. Look at the, the cup of, like, tea. Look, now it's full. Like, look, the lipstick on the cup of tea. Like, <laughs> look at the flowers I... on the table. And, like, some of it is, like, it almost feels joking about, like, oh, look at all of these symbols. But also is, like, trying to make you very aware of, like, no, like, we are telling you a story. Like, this is a show that we are making and this show is talking about things um, in the way that, like, I think David Lynch is very intentional about using, um, like, video effects. And I'm specifically using video, meaning, like, VHS, Umatic, like, that kind of stuff. Um, like, video overlays of a face over another face and things in ways that are, like, unreal, but that is not the point. The point is to, like, create the image and not to to convince you of the reality uh-huh. of the image. Um, but that also it is not, like, oh, so this is just, like, a dream or not real. Like, it is reflecting something about reality that you just can't otherwise portray without using some sort of unreality. Um, and so, like, that mix yeah. of reality and unreality is more important than being, like, this is a dream, this is real life, this is magic, whatever. Um, I think Utena operates in a very similar space. You know, um, similarly, um, I, and this is just sort of tangential and it's not going to really fit into any of our other discussion, like, one of the things I think about is I think about, like, the way that this show, like, doesn't really care, like, what the reality is per se, is that, like, um, Wakaba seemingly joins the Shadow Puppets at a certain point. Um, She just becomes one of them. Um, It's chill. And she's still a normal girl, too. Like, (laughs) she does not leave the realm of physical being, either. You know? Yeah. Um, Um, It's weird how the the Shadow plays to start as, like, this, like, very distinct different space in the student council saga and then i think it's in the black rose saga where um they start appearing when utena's at her locker and she responds to it um and then like we see the play like utena anthe and akio go to a shadow play (laughs) which is just put on Mm -hmm. by like students at the school (laughs) who are like these shadow players um 
this like weird folding in of like one of yeah. the most artificial and like, oh, this is like a weird commentary on the episode, like interstitial bit just becomes like, no, like characters at the school are doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, but also it's weird how they are like referring to events that they wouldn't necessarily know. So it's also not just like, oh, it was just students doing plays all along. Um, yeah. I love the shadow play stuff. We didn't talk about it too much in the the um, episodes because there's just so much to to get through. But uh, yeah, one of the best interstitial well, uh, bits in an anime I've ever seen. <laughs> the 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 um the shadow play bits are so good because you start to like feel like you're ascending to like another level of understanding literature as you start to realize that the shadow plays make perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The shadow plays are just normal. The shadow plays um, are, in some ways, the most just, like, straightforwardly naturalistic part of Utsuna. Yeah. <laughs> they're, um, like, just most explicitly telling you what the meaning is. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite little bits um, uh, with, like, how they blend stuff, too, is um, the, the episode with, like, Juri and Ruka. Um, and there's this moment where... Uh, it's like they're about to duel and then it cuts to their silhouettes and they're talking about the aftermath of the duel. And you're like, are Juri and Ruka the shadow play in this episode? Um, and then at the very end, you get the shadow play about like, oh, there's this boy at this hospital and you like left to try and help some girl. And I guess he died or whatever. Um, and you're like, oh, you still got a weird shadow play in here, but at a hospital. Like, <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. just such a weird like. It's such a, a great fake out too that you just think like, oh, I guess the shadow play is just Jury and Ruka this time. So, um, another anyway, call out yeah. to one I love. <laughs> the, you know, just like the the final ending of like, um, I think I I I. Uh, I wish I knew what Utena was up to. I think it's really powerful to have like Anthe leave that place independently of Utena. And also I wish I knew what Utena was up to. Yeah. I knew if she was alive or dead. I wish I knew um if she was in the hospital or I wish I knew I I guess like I I kind of I guess in my head canon of this, like, Himemiya is going to see Utena at the hospital. Like, that is what is happening in my mind. Because when I think back to, like, Ruka, they're like, oh yeah, that guy died. Like, they say that. And so they would say it if Utena died. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows whether or not you will feel that uh, Adolescence of Utena explains to you what Utena is up to or not. <laughs> Again, I I don't think there's a final read on it, but there is a read where it is. This is what Utena is up to. Um, here's the continuation. Here's Anthe going and finding Utena. So um... I okay. So a couple months ago, like right around the time we started to talk about me being on to do uh, maybe the, like the last episode of the main series or adolescence or something. A couple months ago, I was trying to remember how to spell Himemia's name, and so I googled her. And if you go to... Like, I just clicked on 
Or no, I didn't even click on like a fan wiki page. I just looked and it was like Anthihimamia and then it was like fan fandom what whatever. Um and it was like Himamia is a witch and blah blah blah. And I was like, what the fuck? And it had like this big image of her in her like quote unquote witch form. You know? Yeah. So I like knew that she was a witch. Similarly, last night I was trying to find out when did Adolescence of Utana come up or come out in relation to the show. And I learned one very big thing about the ending of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that have left me with so many questions. <laughs> I assume you know what I'm referring to. Um, Listeners, if you don't know, I, we're all going to find out together because in a few days I'll have seen that movie and we'll be recording a podcast on it. It'll be fine, but I know like yeah. a thing. <laughs> um, is, it, is it perhaps a thing that... Um, in a question bucket, I think for Ray Earth, uh, that you, me, and Connor were recording, um, you and Connor were joking about something, and I was like, yeah, I wonder if anything ever does that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, is it that yeah. thing? Okay. Is it it's that, that thing? thing? Okay, it's that yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I looked at the Wikipedia page for Adolescence of Utena. Um, it is just one of the, the little... It's, like, in the first paragraph. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think I was, like, I want to know when it came out. And I, I texted you this question, but I was, like, I had heard this before. That, like, and I just wanted to... Kind of what you were explaining earlier about, like, it's kind of a continuation. It's kind of a retelling. It's kind of another loop, you know. I had heard that before. And so I didn't think in my head that was a spoiler. And so I thought I was fine just reading the start of the Wikipedia page for Adolescence of Utena. And somebody put that in like the first paragraph <laughs> of like that Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> not not what you explained earlier, but like the thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <coughs> it's fine. I'm... I have a weird relationship to spoilers where, like, they don't, I don't often, I did not, I did not want to go to you at any point and have you tell me the ending of this show, but every now and then I will, like, find out something spoilery about a show and, um, like... Um, it will just make me more interested to where like, I really, sometimes I really like getting vague spoilers like, oh, this yeah. happens, but you don't know how they get there. Um, I knew, I knew like what happens to Camille at the end, like where Camille ends up at the end of Zeta Gundam before I watched Zeta Gundam. I had like read that somewhere and I was like, that's interesting. I wonder how they get there, you know? It made me want to watch Zeta Gundam. Um, yeah. I don't think this is quite in that category, but it isn't like, what the fuck? How do they get there? <laughs> Guess I'm going to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I honestly have like that latter relationship with spoilers a lot, which is just, um, even if people, if someone like explains a fair amount of a thing to me, I'm still just like, well, I gotta see it for myself. Like, I need to know how they do it. 
not your version telling me yeah. what the plot point was, but like, what what are the images like for that scene? Um, how does yeah. that how does that thing that you just spoiled me on like play into the way it's constructing? Uh, like plot or like the way that it's interplaying that against other images. Like I, I've had so many stuff, like so many things quote unquote spoiled for me. And then I've gone, I've been like, that sounds interesting. And then gone and done it. And I've been like, I don't even believe, like, I don't think that person who told me that spoiler understood it the same way I do. <laughs> like, so yeah. Um, to, to put it in sort of like terms that like anybody could talk about, like I sometimes will, hear Snape killed Dumbledore and just get kind of intrigued because I'm like, well, I read the first two books and I have no idea how they end up at a place where Snape kills Dumbledore. Yeah. You know, I want to know how they get there. Nora is shaking her head at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Well, and like, you know, another, another major spoiler that, that people know, which is like, you know, Darth Vader being Luke's father is like, yeah. Okay. What does that mean though? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah um yeah where 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 do you go from that what what happens and next? and when when people are trying to just like hit you with crazy spoilers like the thing that happens in adolescence of utana or <laughs> snape kills dumbledore no one ever tells you oh well snape kills dumbledore because it's a part of an elaborate plan that like yeah. snape is really on dumbledore's side the whole time and dumbledore planned this no one ever tells you that part so you have to just go read the damn book yourself and find that out yeah um, um similarly i'm going to find out what happens in adolescence of utina by the end of this week so yeah i want to see these people with a movie budget i want to see um i want to see i think the animation for this show gets like shockingly good by the end in a way that like i think the the big be- this show the animation at the beginning looks very nice um but i think it looks a lot better by the end and i think they're doing a lot more with it um and i just want to see these people with like you know the budget to do whatever they want so yeah um and also perhaps the the uh change in what you're allowed to do in a movie versus a tv show um oh i hadn't thought about that yeah Oh, I can't wait to see just like full frontal titties now. (laughs) These are children. I don't actually want to see that. I just went to the first thing that like, what's the difference between, you know, OVAs and TV shows and then in the 90s, you know? Yeah. What's the difference between uh, the Evangelion anime, which is great, and then and the Evangelion, which is gross. (laughs) Yeah. God. Cannot wait for the scene where Utsuna masturbates over Anthe's comatose body. (laughs) Um, that was a curse thing that you said. Are we, can I wrap this? Can I? <laughs> yeah, we're done here. Okay. You're so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, where where can people find you? People online? can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. If you go to exportaw.io, that takes you to our Patreon page, and it's got links to all the feeds where you can listen to stuff for free. You can also go to exportaw.io and give us a dollar a month, uh, and that gets you access to many podcasts early, like Ornate Stairwells that Nia and I do, um, or Hot Singles. Um, and it also, uh, if you give us $5 a month, you get 
uh, Pop Town Funk, where you can hear my wife be very disappointed in me when I say things um, like what I just said a minute ago. <laughs> um, the Death Kappa ep- episode is really good. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, We're I mean, all watch the episodes random... have been good, but... All the episodes have been very good. Our next episode is going to be about uh, a random episode from season 11 of Supernatural. I don't know what that's going to be like, but there's going to be a car in it. There's going to be a car in my hometown of Lawrence, Kansas, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. Um, You know where else people can find you? Where? On the next episode of Ghost Divers, we'll be looking at Adolescence of Utena. People already know this. It's in the last one. I just thought it would be yeah. a, a funny transition um <laughs> people can follow me at fox Mamnia on twitter uh you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod um you can also follow me at garfred aloud it's finally back um i don't know if you've watched the one for today yet autumn but i have not seen the one for today but i saw the one for yesterday um yeah you know what made me laugh more than like the actual like the thing um in that episode, yeah. in that uh, episode of Garfred Aloud, because there's like a thing you do that's like funny. Yeah. Um, the thing that made me laugh a lot in that Garfred Aloud is that uh, sometime during the reading of panel one, you start to make yourself laugh because you're out of practice, and you have like I can see it because like I know you. Yeah. I don't know that everybody else can see it, but I can see you being like, I can't laugh doing Garfred Aloud. I can't do it. <laughs> Well, and the thing I was going to laugh at was the funny thing I was going to do at the end because I knew it was coming. Um, and so I I was like laughing about like what I was about to do um, and mm-hmm. trying to to suppress that because I can't laugh at the comic. I did not think that the comic was funny. Um, that was not a laugh at the comic. It was a laugh at what I was no. doing. Um, and then there is a part where I start laughing after I, I've done the thing that I think is very funny. Uh, that is the funny thing in the video. Um, and I do cover my mouth so that people think that I'm just uh, struggling with the thing that I'm doing and not laughing. <laughs> the, the other thing um, that really got me about that uh garf was that um you you go through your customary lengthy lengthy description of panel one (laughs) and then just like panel two is the same yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love it when um jim davis just like copy and pastes the panels and just changes the the word balloon because um it just gives me like there's just such a a great cadence to just doing that first panel really at length and just being like nothing changed here's what it says nothing changed here's what it says (laughs) (laughs) um i'm trying to capture the amount of energy that I imagine that Jim Davis is putting into this stuff, which means that like Uh the first panel that he draws, he really has to put a lot of energy into. Um, And with comics like that, the next two, he just, you know, control C, control V, (laughs) drag over, add text bubble. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I don't, I don't, I was about to be like, let me promo the other stuff, but the other stuff is that I promo exportodd.io and our podcast, and you already did that for me. So, um, but bye everyone. Wait, Autumn. Yeah. Who is it today? Foo. 
I think it's Foo. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it's either Foo or Ikuni. One of the two. It is Foo. You are right. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye, everyone. (laughs) You're supposed to say bye, too. Okokoro is real. Uh, Okokoro is real. Bye.
Thank <laughs> you. 